And so I'm curious to see how these project management tools are going to evolve uh, to meet the needs of like very, honestly, very individual tastes. Yeah, absolutely. And this is like a huge and lucrative business model, because if you think about if, if you can start to create automated tasks and you can start mapping this automation of tasks to productivity increases, that's an easy sell into enterprise. <laughs> and like all these companies would love to start to optimize like their, their workforce. Welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Hey, Jeff, when you make your to-do list, is the first task you always create to-do list? Or am I just a weirdo that likes to cross things off? That's very meta, Mike. (laughs) The to-do list for the to-do list. It's like the meeting for the meeting or the plan for the plan. That's right. Uh, Today's show, we're talking about Trello, a web-based list-making application. Yeah, and... What Trello is, is it's a Kanban-based project management tool. So essentially a visual board of all of your tasks that you can organize, assign timelines to, checklists to, and and move around to different projects. To quote Trello's website, Trello is a collaboration tool that organizes your projects into boards. So at one glance, Trello tells you what's being worked on, who's working on what, and where something is in a process. So imagine a whiteboard filled with lists of sticky notes with each note as a task for you and your team. Jeff, did I get that good enough <laughs> as a yeah. description? Yeah, I think that's a good description. I think like Kanban or Kanban is kind of spun out from this idea of like agile methodology, which is basically like taking tasks and divvying them up. At its core, Kanban is three major lists. One is what's called a backlog. So all the things that you could be doing, this middle list of what are the things that are in progress or in flight, and then this last list of like what things have you done. And People like to split them up in a different way. Sometimes you split them up by sprint, which is typically like a two-week period of, you know, doing stuff. And then some people like to divvy out those Kanban boards like even further. So even within the in progress, you could do, you know, this is like we're just starting the progress and we're scoping stuff out or it could be towards the end where we're finishing last touches and we're doing, the you know, the final checkoff. So the Kanban boards can kind of vary from person to person, but it's kind of this main idea of like progressing tasks from start to finish. Yeah, I really like that. And then I, whenever I think about organizing stuff visually, especially on my personal to-do list, because I actually don't use Trello, I think of Eisenhower's matrix of when you should do stuff. Have you heard of this before, Jeff? I don't think so. What the Eisenhower decision matrix is, is it's a uh, two by two matrix. So on the top side, you have urgent and non-urgent. And on the Mm -hmm. left side, you have important and not important. So if it's urgent and important, you should do it right now. Um, If it's important and not urgent, schedule a time Mm -hmm. to do it. If it's urgent and not important, delegate it. You know, who can do it for me? And then if it's not urgent and not important, it falls off the list. So it's interesting how it's almost like the three urgent, not urgent, not important or important that kind of falls into the Kanban board of like start to finish of like when you should do it. Yeah, there's like a ton of different productivity hacks and productivity methodologies. And I think this is one way to sort of organize some of your tasks. The problem that I've kind of come across is that it's it's more meta than this. Like I might start putting tasks into a Trello board and then forget to do that and then start using something else like a pen and paper or like a whiteboard. And I find myself switching between totally different task management or to-do lists. And so that's the problem is that I don't even adhere to one. And so 
I think at the end of the day, so long as you get your tasks done, that's fine. But Trello is one really good way to organize all of your tasks and see things visually and allow you to really take all of your work and chuck them out into single bite-sized pieces. For sure. I think that you're too productive for your own good. You know, like <laughs> you found like so many productivity hacks that you've got to use them all. And so you just end up using a bunch of them. But I'm the exact same way where I have my notebook that I'm religious about using for like a week and a half. And then I'm like, oh, man, because we use Quip at my company. So I'll use mm-hmm. a Quip to-do list with meeting notes or even like a Confluence page that will have like different action items. So I'll switch in between things. I've actually had like other product managers call me out and be like, dude, let's just use one tool. I'm like, that's my bad. <laughs> like I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll use one tool. Like this is my, my crazy brain going. So I appreciate that organization. As Jeff and I were talking about, Trello is one of these project management tools. If we talk about their business model, it's pretty simple. It's a, it's a subscription service. So uh, Trello offers three tiers of pricing for their pricing model. They offer, you know, that traditional quote unquote, good, better, best. I actually really love their pricing sheet. Just as Jeff and I have been doing this show, I've had to look through a lot of these different pricing sheets of like, you know, what are all like the pricing for these different software features? And mm-hmm. Trello is one of the best ones that I've seen. It's super clear of what's included, not included. They yeah. do a really simple of like, you have your free, you have your business class that's $10 a month, and then enterprise $17.50 per month. And I really like that transparency because you know right up front what you're getting. I know there's been a lot of other products that we've reviewed where it's really hard to see the enterprise cost where you have to like mm-hmm. dive into like actually call a salesperson and yeah if you're like me and you get anxiety talking to another human <laughs> um yeah that's Post-COVID. definitely <laughs> exactly i don't know how to talk i have to re-socialize myself but yeah really liked it and just clear with check marks so kudos to the trello product marketing team or marketing team whoever put that together in addition to the subscription service trello also offers a marketplace So you can purchase add-ons and there's a really robust community of third-party apps and add-ons that you can purchase and use to enhance your Trello experience. So before the show, Jeff was showing me some of his Trello boards and some of his favorites. So Jeff, what what are your favorite marketplace add-ons? Yeah, so like there's a bunch of, they they call them like power-ups or add-ons that you could use within Trello. I think a lot of the big ones are uh, partnerships and integrations that they do with other companies like there's one for slack so anytime a trello card changes you'll get a slack notification which is really good if you're working with a bunch of people on a project and you want to know yeah what's going on there's also one for jira trello is an atlassian product so it obviously integrates pretty well with jira so i think i'm in in jira nightmare right now with the current product (laughs) i'm working on so that sounds awful to me (laughs) only because i'm I'm, my the other product person that i've been working with we've just been like joking with each other we just tag each other on Jira is back and forth. And yeah, it's just Jira, Jira hot potato. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so yeah, I think the Jira integration is basically you can write some ideas in a Trello card because it's simple. And then you can just click a button to convert it into a Jira ticket. So like if it does get fleshed out to the point where you're like, oh, this is actually going to be a task in Jira, then you can convert it. Obviously, it's a little confusing because Jira has its own Kanban board. So yep. you're like, why do I need one versus the other? This is one of those cases where Atlassian, who owns Jira, started with her own thing and then ended up acquiring Trello, which we'll talk about in a bit. And so that's why there's kind of this like confusion. But there's a bunch of little bonuses and power-ups that you can get. I think you get two free power-ups so long as those power-ups themselves are free, which means like a lot of times, like Mike said, it's a third-party marketplace. So they'll sell these for some subscription fee and then you can get them so long as you, you know, you pay for them. So yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of little things that you can check out there a little bit. There's like productivity hacks, ways that you can like organize stuff, integrations with other tools and, and different things like that. And I love that. And we can just talk about just the idea of like an internal marketplace where 
it's a beautiful flywheel for your business where you're just, you know, creating a set of tools for developers to build products that integrate with your platform. And so mm-hmm. you're basically scaling your product team by basically making it, by basically monetizing the ability to create products on your product, which is super yeah. meta for our product <laughs> explained podcast. But right. it's, it's really cool because customers will actually start buying these services and you'll realize like where you need to start building features for. Like if a feature is missing, you can actually see that customers really want that because they're actually paying real dollars for it. So I love the idea of like these internal marketplaces and how much of a flywheel it it does, not just for the customers, but also for the developers because you have all these developers that are um, building tools onto their and onto your platform and they're building all of this, you know, time equity and sweat equity and also monetary equity of customers on this platform so it's it's really interesting and love like love this idea i love when companies execute it and it sounds like trello is doing it well yeah i want to talk about the idea of a platform a little bit more because it's not new i think there is a trend more recently with like enterprise SaaS companies that are like offering these you know smaller add-ons that like you know small i guess boutique software agencies are able to like build out these small add-ons and small things to like make extra side money which is awesome like i said it's not new it's kind of an old practice so i think autocad did something similar where they started with a base level of AutoCAD and then companies were adopting their own versions of AutoCAD and then maybe selling them as like licensed packages elsewhere. So I think Boeing had put together an AutoCAD package specifically for designing airfoils and it was like a ton of money. But basically they spent time writing code based off of the AutoCAD package to quickly allow people to like punch in some numbers and like draw out airfoils, saving people a ton of time. And then they can turn around and sell that to maybe smaller aircraft companies or other aircraft companies. And, you know, you're kind of selling IP. I think that's a really smart business model because then you're not just focusing on your own business, but you're focusing on how do you turn around and sell just like the the tools of the process back to other companies. Yeah. Just the mention of like the airfoil just brings me back to like me being at a <laughs> my aerospace engineering lab and like the NACA double NACA, yeah, whatever right. it was, the, the base airfoil that you learn all of the angle of attack and all that. Well, cool. Well, let's dive into the history, Jeff. Yeah. So the initial idea of Trello um, was released in uh, 2011 at a TechCrunch event by Joel Spolsky. Trello was actually derived from the word trellis, which was an early code name. I don't know what trellis meant, but, you know, just cool name, I guess. In 2014, they raised $10.3 million in funding from Index Ventures and Spark Capital. By 2016, they had 1.1 million daily active users and 14 million signups. So within five years, it took some time to grow to this big daily active number use, but pretty it's healthy impressive growth. though. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like over a million daily active users, like that's it's, like, that's really cool. Especially considering how simple it was for people to like pick it up and use. I thought that was like really smart. In 2017, they were acquired by Atlassian. Atlassian, for the people at We've mentioned it a couple times on the show, but you can think of them as this big like enterprise like project management company. They have um, a product called Jira, which Mike and I talked about. It's a good way to kind of manage software development, I guess, like projects. There's a tool called Confluence, which is kind of like a wiki, like an internal wiki. Mm-hmm. Love Confluence like so much. <laughs> uh, what other Alassian tools am I missing here? Like Jira, Confluence, those are probably the two biggest ones. Bit- I think Bitbucket's one of theirs. But yeah, anyway, so they were acquired by Atlassian for $425 million in both stock and cash. In 2018, Trello, or maybe Atlassian, I guess, acquired this startup or this company called Butler, which was previously a power-up. So as Mike and I mentioned, this was offered in the marketplace. 
but it was so good because it was a task automation tool that they decided to acquire Butler and then bake it into the Trello system. And they offered it as part of their business class. So Mike had mentioned that there's a middle tier of business class users, like a premium tier. And then now it's allowing you to do some automation. So basically some automations that are like really popular are you can create like a card template And then if it's something that you repeat over and over and over, when you build from that template, it's going to create all the checklists for you. It's going to like input all the names or all the spaces that you're going to add links to. It's going to preset some dates for you depending on what list it is. So it does all these like really smart things by allowing you to kind of set some automation rules, which will allow you to like really hyper organize your task list. Do you have any idea how much they acquired Butler for? It's really interesting. Yeah, I have no clue. I, I think, again, they're a smaller company that was just in their marketplace. So I, I, I don't have any idea of the actual number of what they're required for. Because I imagine that it could just could have just been like a talent acquisition too. You know, like maybe it's like not yeah. like a ton of, like maybe it's like enough money to, so like maybe these guys could have retired, but maybe it was with some clause to say, hey, like you've been developing on our platform. You've been a really good partner of ours. Just come join our company and we'll like acquire you and you'll stay on for like three to five years, whatever that contract is. So maybe it was talent acquisition, but it, it is, yeah, it is interesting how all these microservices can become bigger and how Trello has been successful at it. Cause I remember like early days of, I think like, like Microsoft tried to do it on like their like Microsoft's, it was like the Windows 7 where there's mm-hmm. a bunch of like add ons. And I just remember like, all, like, Windows 7 wasn't very good. And then I was looking for like the Microsoft store for like add-ons for like things that I wanted. And those also weren't good. So they almost couldn't get enough inertia to start, you know, attracting enough developers to um, start to build onto their, onto their platform. So it's this really hard problem because it's that chicken and the egg where it's like, if you don't have customers using your platform, because it's not good enough, you're not going to attract the the developers, but how do you attract the developers um, if the customers aren't there. So it, it's really interesting. I don't know where it starts and what the tipping point is. But yeah, like, like we said, Trello is doing a great job with it. I think at its core, you have to build like a really good core product without any additional add-ons or widgets or whatever. So like Apple is obviously a really popular one because they their core experience people really enjoy. And so it's really hard to actually get into the app store. You have to like go through this really tedious application process and to be able to build widgets and get development kits and stuff like that. And then conversely for Android, they have like a more open system where a lot more people can kind of build widgets and do all this stuff, which people also like. So it's a little bit more open source, do all this stuff on the platform and you don't have to worry about this like higher barrier of entry, which means that some smaller companies that want to build like really cool stuff can go in and try it out within the Android platform. I also want to touch on this trend of there's like no shortage of project management tools, right? So I think Trello is like one of many that are really popular right now. And it's kind of like pick your own flavor, whatever you like the most of. Like Mike and I mentioned that sometimes we'll write stuff in a notebook (laughs) and sometimes I'll go to my whiteboard and write stuff so long as it's captured somewhere. Uh, I know Evernote had done some task stuff. I, I know that like Asana had done some stuff. And so I think what's really interesting isn't just this idea of like capturing to-dos. To-do list in and of itself is a pretty simple concept. But being able to like even know what the person wants to do before the person themselves think that it's a task. So this idea of like artificial intelligence or machine learning to know what might be a task and then create a task item is like really powerful. I think Google has kind of like delved into this with Gmail to be able to say like, hey, like, is this actually like a a task or a to-do list? Do you want to make it a task right now? And you can actually convert it really quickly. And so I think this idea of acquiring Butler is in that same vein. Like how do we make 
the process of creating your to-do list easier, not just coming up with the actual items themselves, but like the meta around it, like the list itself. When do you want to use a list? Do you typically like to you know finish your task within X amount of days? So how do we learn from you? What happens if you have a task that you say you need to do, but you let it like expire or you let it like pass the due date? How do we like correct that behavior? So I think there's some really interesting nuance into how people tap into what they think they need to do versus like what actually needs to be done. And then also how they feel about productivity. So some people, they might create a really long task list and not finish any of it and feel fine. <laughs> For sure. Um, some people feel like they need to check off everything. That and is then so some people, oh yeah. my God. <laughs> and then some people like um, break it up into like priority. So as a product manager, typically you have like a ton of tasks and it's hard to kind of finish everything. But for me, at least, you really want to think about what do I need to accomplish today? What do I need to accomplish this week? So you kind of like prioritize those things and you need to feel okay with leaving some of your tasks by the wayside for next week or the week after or, you know, however many days. So I think that's really interesting. People use to-do lists very, very differently. And so I'm curious to see how these project management tools are going to evolve uh, to meet the needs of like very, honestly, very individual tastes. Yeah, absolutely. And this is like a huge and lucrative business model because if you think about if if you can start to create automated tasks and you can start mapping this automation of tasks to productivity increases that's an easy sell into enterprise <laughs> and like all these companies would love to start to optimize like their their workforce especially as everyone's you know forced digital with covid and working from home and this is here to stay it's going to be really interesting how these companies can continue to prove out the productivity increases that they're, that all of their tools are. So I think it's a 100% smart move now that I'm thinking about it by acquiring Butler for, for AI and, and task automation. Yeah, and I think one last note on the history of Trello is that clearly the low barrier of entry is working for them. They have 50 million users as of 2019. Um, I think because it's so easy to set up. Like it literally takes like a couple minutes to sign up for a Trello account and set it up versus some of these other project management tools try to do a lot of that meta stuff, like try to set like nested lists and like all these different timeframes. And like, there's just a lot to think about the to-do list when it should just be a simple, for in this case, like a simple board. So I think it's just the right amount of structure without making it so burdensome for people to set up these to-do lists. But yeah, they're doing a pretty good job at 50 million people for literally like a list creator is, is pretty incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And we can talk about who Trello is for. It's fascinating because most go-to-market strategies are hyper specific on one specific customer set or customer segment, and you know exactly who you're going after. Trello actually had the mission to create an app that 100 million people could use. So they their target customer was everyone. So to your point, mm-hmm. Jeff, of having this really low barrier of entry uh, to start really worked brilliant for them to start acquiring mm-hmm. because they're more than halfway there for reaching their 100 million people with 50 yeah. million users. So I think that's really interesting. Trello is essentially for anyone that need, has stuff to do, which is really any yeah, anyone anybody. working like oh, anybody. <laughs> yeah, really. But te- teasing out some of the productivity, especially with the past COVID. So I, I found some interesting stats that I wanted to, to talk through is 83% of employees are feeling or reporting feeling burnt out by a high volume of emails. So Tools like Trello can really help avoid that. When you have a centralized place where you can see all the tasks and every, it's super clear where everyone, like what everyone needs to do, I think that really helps reduce emails where you don't need to say, oh, like what was I supposed to do? Or like reminding people where it's like, this is on, um, this is on the Trello board that we use. So I think establishing boards and how you're going to use it with your team is, is super important. 
this whole burnout is super prevalent. 73% of employees are, are reporting that they're burned out. So anything that companies can do to start addressing this is uh is huge. Yeah. Let's talk about some competitors in the space. I think we've mentioned a couple of them here. Asana is one that's very well known in the project management space. I think they have done a lot for giving people the tools that they need to like set up very specific, I guess, like to-do lists and project management items and things like that. But again, you have to spend a lot of time to set it up. So when you're first starting, it's hard to know what's best practice. And it's very, very custom to you and how you like to work. Jira is another one we mentioned. It's less about the everyman's project management tool and more specific to developing software. Totally. Um, but, you know, it's another tool that's very, very similar. A uh, side note about Asana. I don't know if you remember back in 2016 when I tried to switch our whole team over to Asana. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, think that, I remember. I, th- I think it fell on its face because I, because I was like setting up the boards how I worked, but that's yeah. not necessarily how everyone else worked. So really interesting now that I look at it in retrospect of why it failed. And I was, it was, it was more push and it was, it was a ton of work to get it set up. And I remember I had all of these like nested to-do lists and I ended up making them in Excel and then importing them into Asana yeah. and then no one ever used it. So I'm like, this was a huge waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I like the idea of like cross-functional collaboration within a project management tool, but like you said, the problem with Asana that I found, and maybe we'll talk about it when we do an Asana episode, is mostly that like there is this weird construct of subtasks like what's considered a subtask versus a regular task and then mm-hmm. like how far down the rabbit hole can you go because i think asana doesn't i don't remember if they like limit you by how many subtasks you can create and so the, like the construct was really weird to me and i think jira suffers from a similar problem with like this idea of like epics versus features which we'll talk about in another episode as well but like it's this idea of like how big of a bucket do you want and like at what level do you push certain task sizes and stuff like that some other competitors are Airtable, which is more around they you can build tasks in there, but it's more around this idea of like really quick tables, relational tables. There's Coda, which is kind of like a low code tool to build multiple things. You can build spreadsheets, you can build to-do lists, you can do other things. Uh, and then some other project management tools like Rike and Basecamp. Um, so let's jump into our reviews. I can start since I've used Trello for some time. What I really like about Trello is that it's really low barrier of entry. Like I've created a bunch of Trello boards from everything from personal stuff to work to side projects. I've got a Trello board for like personal wins that I like to keep. So it's just like a really good management tool of like bucketing life wins, small wins, work wins, etc. Just for a way for me to look back and see you know, what I've accomplished in a year or whatever. And I think that Trello is just easy enough for anyone to use. And it's so lightweight and uh, there's not there's not a lot of structure which is actually great because like you can use it for grocery lists or you can use it for actual product development or you can use it for very specific things and you can kind of customize it and curtail it to you i also like that there is this like marketplace that you can go in and find any add-ons or power-ups that you like so they've done a really good job of integrating with other tools that you might be using in your day-to-day job i think where i'm a little bit frustrated is that when I try to add some of these power-ups, the pricing model's a little bit extreme. I think like in some cases you might spend like a hundred bucks for an annual subscription to like one power-up. Well, that's uh, painful. And, and, yeah. And that's not necessarily Trello's fault, but it's just like, it's kind of weird where you can get the base platform for completely free and it gives you a lot of stuff. And then you might add on like one small feature that you would really like, but it's so expensive. So I think it's weird because on the one hand, Trello itself is like really low barrier of entry, but then the add-ons are very high barrier of entry and it just doesn't quite fit. I wouldn't mind paying one premium fee to access all the power-ups for free, like at at some add-on. And I think that would be a good business model. 
And so that's where I think the pricing is a little strange for me. You mentioned that there's business class and then like enterprise, but that only unlocks the things that are Trello specific that Atlassian had built. But oh, if you wanted to add any third party things, I think you still have to pay on top of that. So that's where I'm like, eh, is it really worth it? Because some people have built some really awesome stuff outside of, you know, the base Trello product. And Right. And then your I, only hope is that they acquire the company like they did with Butler. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I have to take off for. Otherwise, I think it's a fantastic product, really easy to set up, really easy to use. If you're interested in some sort of way to manage your task that's custom to your workflow, I definitely recommend checking it out. I'm going to give it a 4.0. Nice. Well, I might actually abstain from this rating just because i don't know enough about it <laughs> i think just the, the one thing i can say is the the product market fit seems really interesting and just the go-to-market strategy of how they were just super explicit of like hey our target customer is everyone so how can we make this as easy as possible for people to get started and mm -hmm. i did create an account before this it was super easy i and like to get started it was super clear they have a, a guide to, to get set up but you can also just dive right into the tool so i definitely appreciated that so i'm excited to see what this is out because i might actually <laughs> try it out as one of the four or five different tools would be my whiteboard or my notebook, <laughs> notebook or just a random google doc that i, I set up Awesome. Well, those are our thoughts on Trello, and we'd love to hear from you, our audience. Feel free to reach out to us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at prodxpodcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.